Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. And welcome to the very first, very exciting episode of Leaving Hillsong. I decided to have a few conversations with people who'd left Hillsong, like me, and find out what their lives had been like before and after. I've known David for quite a few years. I've known bits and pieces of his story, but I haven't heard it all before we had this conversation. And it's an incredible story. I asked David how to describe himself. He's a professional, he's a music teacher, he has a Bachelor of Theology, and he said, just say I was a young musician who was influenced by Frank Houston, and it took years to recover. Here's David's story. David, tell me a little bit about how you wound up in an AOG church. Let's start there. I I was a naive, enthusiastic musician on the make, full of idealism, uh, who got got messed up in a kind of alternative Sydney Anglican Christianity towards the end of high school, had a pretty tumultuous time. I was thrown out of one place and had to change. And then there was Billy Graham in 1979 and... Uh, I saw the vision because Jesus was coming back real soon. And the world was, this was Mm -hmm, how the world mm -hmm. could be right. And it could be fair and it could be just and pure. And I went overseas and worked and came back. And the more I saw of the world, the less beachside evangelicalism of the Sydney Anglicans connected with the inner city I was seeing, what I was seeing as a musician, the world I was encountering. And I'd heard a bit about this place, Frank Houston's Christian Life Centre and how amazing it was and saw the ad in the paper in the days when the Herald was still held up by classifieds and 
went off with my then girlfriend one Sunday evening to see the place. They just moved into premises at the top of Goulburn Street. So ground floor premises in a sort of just behind what was the old coach terminal where the Greyhound buses came in and handset coaches. They'd started a few years before in a hotel room in Double Bay and then Frank had moved to the Koala Motor Inn on Oxford Street, the hotel there. So it's just off Taylor Square and then got this facilities, which is the ground floor of a building which had um, rhinoceros recordings on the third floor or fourth floor, which made it, it was known to musicians, it was an edgy kind of place to be, part of town, interesting part of town. And here was 250, 300 people with a kind of a band that was a sort of gospel cross between old-time gospel and... 70s pub cabaret rock. Those were the good old days. Yeah, was, Those were wonderful times. There were Maoris, there were people straight off Oxford Street. This is the height of the era. There's no AIDS, there's no herpes. Everybody's there. There's clean cut North Shore types and there's down and outs. And it was really exciting when you're 18 and here is a type of Christianity that was in your it was loud it was going to change it was exciting what sort of year are we talking here uh, 81 and yeah the cold war is still strong malcolm fraser is prime minister and in those days we thought that was the scariest conservative politics we get you've got reagan you've got thatcher there was going to be a nuclear war soon right. but here were people making a difference here was something exciting and of course Over and above it all was this strange little gnome-like man in a suit who was smiling, who knew God, and who was the father I and so many other young men desperately craved. And that was Frank. Because if if Frank liked you, he knew how to groom you. Now I'd say, well, that's... That's a skill and a trade that goes with his profession, doesn't it? At the time, it was he was a father figure who had that... answers and who wasn't afraid. And you knew that Jesus was coming back, and you'd you'd seen miracles. Tell me about the grooming, well, how he selected people. I mean, we all know that Frank travelled with his golden boys. That he had golden boys. There's some that narrowly oh, missed yeah. out. And how did you yeah, sort of? And, and... Mm-hmm. See it. He would he would smile at you from the pulpit and shake your hand afterwards and tell you how amazing it is you're doing such a brave job for Jesus in the music industry. And when did you become aware that it wasn't just friendly? Ah, uh, much later. Um, about four or five years, because I was in so many ways the world was, was as naive as all get out then. And like young men looking for father figures, well, all people looking for father figures, you want to believe the best. How much did he project himself as a father figure? Very much so. Although there there was sort of the nickname of the bishop that he encouraged, if you were more on the inner, it was quite okay to call him pa. I'm the son of migrants. I have all my extended family were overseas. Here's a grandfather. Here's a father. Here's somebody right. who's yeah. interested in you. And he knows Jesus. 
and the others are all wrong, but it's okay. You're with him. And what's your background in terms of? Ah, uh, my mother's my mother's Swiss, and my father was English, a lot older than my mother, and he'd been a um, Royal Navy commander and Asian services, you know, foreign foreign service mm-hmm. all his life. He um, was fluent in in many languages, something like eleven. He could speak <sighs> just at the drop of a hat. And I was a very late life for him, accidental pregnancy. And yet him and my mother stayed together for the rest of his life. He was in Rangoon. She went over to visit him in Rangoon where he was based. I'm the result. So where were you born? I was born here. You didn't have necessarily that extended family around though? Not at all. No extended family I was the grandfather this, thing makes sense then. Yeah, yeah, and and father because Frank was Frank was actually pretty much the same age as my father. So Frank fills both, ticks both boxes, and he's interested in you because British diplomats with distinguished naval careers don't really understand young Australian guys who want to be rock and roll stars. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Whereas we didn't have much in common. That environment would um, have suited you to a T then? Yeah, yeah. It was eccentric, it was artistic, it was countercultural, and you had this father figure overall. Mm. So this was good. There were there were some very edgy people there, you know, people who were hanging out with people like Brett Whiteley and there's a, a guitarist called Mark Driscoll there who published a book of poems illustrated by Whiteley. There was through it you'd meet all sorts of very interesting people overseeing it all was this this little man what about his wife hazel he was scary yeah i hear this he was she in my mind she's three times his height and she was probably three times frank's size okay hazel was very tough I could imagine an old drag comic doing a pretty accurate takeoff of Hazel. She was never, never upfront. I don't think I ever once saw her on on the pulpit, on the stage. I say yes. Perhaps at a Christmas morning, she would sort of come up as they waved us all off, or mm-hmm. maybe up there and we prayed when Frank was going overseas, because this was just at the start when Frank was travelling. He was. But very much in the background. She she ran the bookshop. And right, the Christian queuing, bookshop. You'd be queuing to get your tapes and your paraphernalia. Even back then? Oh, yeah, it was all cassette tape. They were marketing it very, very early on in the piece. It was, they 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 understood merch. It's <laughs> one thing the Houstons did. But how did they know that coming from, from a small town in New Zealand? I, I can remember it at... at the Billy Graham crusade, there was a big merch table. Yeah. I think selling paraphernalia and books has had a long link with revivalist religion. I suspect rock and roll actually learned how to do it from, from gospel and not the other way around. So it was just a lot of the sort of livelier churches had, mainstream churches would have a small bookstall at the back. CLC just... The Hoosons just took it to the next level and they were very good at that. But she was 
you, you crossed her at your peril. Okay, what ways could you cross Hazel? Oh, asking her for a book that wasn't in stock or okay. when something would be in stock. And how do you think Frank was influenced by her demeanour then? Nobody ever said anything. So, Frank, I can't ever recall seeing them together in any meaningful way. At the time, I don't even think I ever thought of them as a couple, really. That was that was Frank and that's Hazel. Who do you think ran the show? Oh, money-wise, I think Hazel was keeping a close watch on the money. I think Hazel saw her job as making sure Frank got there each week. Keeping Frank off the grog, making sure he turned up. Did you ever see any of Brian's siblings floating around? And I I ask that because Frank and Hazel had five children. Why did the one kind of go in that direction? And Look, it would have been about three months, I suppose, before I gave in and started going to a home fellowship group. Gave in? Well, it was a weeknight. I was playing. I was working nights. It was just one more thing that I was to do. (laughs) I didn't really. But when I went there very early on, I learnt that there'd been a disgrace youth pastor there or sort of young person's pastor and he and his wife had divorced and and this was the reason that both a guy called Sean Stanton who went on to start North Shore Christian Life Centre and has for many years been running a place in Canberra and Brian come on staff and there'd been one of their sort of self-examination meetings like like Anthony Van Brown describes going through in his book where he'd had to confess to his sins and and people there were talking about this as it happened in the morning service which at that stage I wasn't going to you know how sad it was generally the feeling was this is so hard for Pastor Frank you know the sadness of this it's just interesting how they are able to manufacture that kind of just that general disgrace that you don't ask about yeah but he he controlled the stage and and there were always in those early days it was a regular thing I then started going to the morning service and I wasn't cool enough to play piano so they had me on guitar as a sort of second tier because the piano players were the real stars they were the so although piano and keyboards is my primary instrument, I was playing guitar and strumming rhythm in the background. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. And the odd lead break here and there. 
but it was it was all all music was ran as a a very tight ship by um Trevor King who who had been a a local musician bank or railroad gin I think they still show up on YouTube again that sort of 70s slightly early 70s Sydney cabaret slash blues it's scene. cool people like people like Jeff St John and and so it was very much your play in Trevor's style. If you didn't play like that, you weren't going to play piano. Jeff Bullock was the sort of up-and-coming piano player. And another guy called Rolf Commander, who was on TV in one of those early sort of Australia's Got Talent shows, or the equivalent in the in the 80s, they, they were the up-and-coming piano players. And so once I was there, then you'd be rostered three, two, three services a Sunday and there went your day. And, and Frank was constantly talking about do not gossip, you know, do, do not fall into the sin of gossip and do not listen to hearsay. And, of course, I now know that people from New Zealand were raising flags about him already in right. Australia and saying this guy didn't exactly come to Australia because God spoke to him and said it's what do you know about that? Because we've never quite pieced that together. There's talk here and then he arrives here. And I, th- I think that's what it was. There was talk and he's figuring it's getting, it's getting too risky. Okay. I'll go and try my, try my luck in the big show. And in those and days you could just go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah stories didn't follow. It, no one's going to talk about this. And Frank, when it came to marketing, Frank was an idiot savant. He could pick, this is where there's going to be, this is where my niche will fall. He had enough New Zealand folkiness to appeal to the Bondi Eastern Suburbs New Zealand crew in those days. Right. There's a big right. Kiwi diaspora there. Which is exactly what a predator does, though. Is yeah. He was a, a, a textbook predator and groomer. He had it down so well. And then... He gets it wrong in starting at Double Bay, but very quickly he moves up to the edgier Taylor Square area okay. where there what was then affordable housing all through Surrey Hills. I lived in Manly, which in those days was a downmarket druggy area. <laughs> it was very similar to Surrey Hills. In a lot of ways, it, it still is very similar to Surrey Hills in that it's now very expensive and full of cafes. Yeah, totally. So what was the appeal for the people of the inner city to, how did he hit that so well there at that time? Did they bring the music? Did he offer the music? He encouraged music and encouraged it in a way that was outside of the pub scene. Australian pub rock was at the time a huge business. And on any given night, there would be hundreds of bands playing at pubs throughout Greater Sydney and Central Coast. And as a sort of B, C grade musician, it was nothing to get two, three gigs a night. You'd be first on at seven and then run somewhere else, very down market, the headline at about nine, and then do an after act support at midnight that went on till three. Headliners like Cold Chisel and Midnight Oil, and they're sort of playing all around. But then beneath them, there are, dozens of bands filling in as second and third tier and so here was somewhere you could do it which was outside this it's okay to be a musician you don't have to live in this netherworld 
it's okay. There's a way you can, you can use this for God. You can use this for good. And combined with, here's a father who says, you're fantastic. You're, You're great. It's wonderful what's going to happen. And we're not all going to be destroyed in a nuclear fallout as a result of Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan because Jesus is coming. It was a, a very seductive time. And this is, this is a period when, when Sydney police are controlling the drug trade, when Roger Rogerson's giving the green light to Nettie Smith, who lived in the inner city. It was no secret what was going on. Sally Huckstep dies around this time. And so in the middle of this, here's Frank. In this very corrupt and seedy time and place, here is this little man who's professing to not be afraid of anything. What was your, like, religious background? Does your conversion take place at Frank's church? Oh, no, no. It it had taken place within a, a Sydney Anglican outreach in Manly a few years before at the hands, metaphorically speaking, of a another youth worker who's employed by Sydney Anglican Diocese who went on to local politics before being charged with sexually abusing someone. Charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. Sydney Dias had, had long washed their hands of him. But it, again, the quest, quest for a father, the quest for, for identity and acceptance and family. Which is such a common human theme. You're not alone yeah. in that at all. And they say, come in. We, we need you. We want you. You're valuable. Yes, you're a bit different to other people, but that's because you're special because yeah. you know Jesus. And, and Frank brought right in on that in a, in a way and a place that was an irresistible drug to so many of us around there. So you're thinking he was aware of what he was doing the whole time? He was, he was aware. He knew. Yeah, I can, I can remember him. Maybe it's because you're at the front playing guitar. You, you're in a, we sort of sat off the stage, but at the front to the side, you'd see the, the knowing glances and the smiles between him and the choir conductor, who was just another young man looking for a father and looking for identity and looking for acceptance. But I view those smiles of Frank's with a whole lot more experience these days. And that was not, he was not a good man. He was a predator. He was a deeply predatory figure. And so it was inevitable as the prosperity movement came, he would have found that marvellous because it's all about power, money and power and, and, Pedophilia, like so much abusive sex, is really about control and power. At the heart, that's what they're wanting, they're craving. And here was Frank having all of the these cool young men, but he was the one who's in charge. He had control. And now he could couple that up to money. What did you see? When did you sense those changes coming towards prosperity um, and... Because he was old school. You were saying before he was quite an old school hellfire and brimstone kind. Very old, old school holiness. Money don't matter. It's about knowing Jesus. And just started creeping in. If there was a a moment, I look back and see that's when he jumped the shark. It was 
they announced that in order to get ahead, in order to cement the church's position and make sure we couldn't just be kicked out by landlords, we needed to buy somewhere. But to do that, they needed to buy a manse. And it was the first time I'd ever heard the word, a church property, somewhere for the minister to live. And so there were big love offerings because we're going to love offering. Love offerings. What's a love <laughs> offering? Guilt guilt offering. David, a love a offering love is offering? a second offertory, a, a, a second collection of money from the congregation after the initial request. So what you've given are your tithes, 10% mm-hmm. of your income minimum, and that's just your obligation. That's like paying tax. But a love offering is over and above that that shows your love. And they take that to buy, to raise the money, to raise a deposit on a house. Beautiful. And the whole amount? It was never told how much they, they borrowed and how much. They, they explained they needed this for collateral for them to get their own church right. building. But, of course, nothing financial was ever released. And it, it seemed at the time, oh, you know, he's, he's getting on and he's a marvellous man of God. And sure, I'll kick in what I can into this. And then I realised the place they were buying for him was in Pimble, which... Upper North Shore, for people who don't live in Sydney, a very leafy, with the, the transition in Sydney society, it isn't anywhere near as valuable as it once was. It was at the time, you'd be hard put finding a more expensive or prestigious suburb in Sydney. Uh, Certainly not north of the Harbour Bridge. Early 80s, mid 80s. Yeah, yeah, 83, 82, 83. And into that, around that time, of course, I've got married because Frank has told me that I'm 19 and Frank has told me that, you know, he's, he's, I've had a few sort of pastoral meetings with him because he's wanted to talk to me. And he's, of course, told me that it's it's not good to fall into sin and has sort of asked as to, as to what I'm doing sexually with that girl that I'm involved with. And... As directly as that? Yeah, yeah. And I'm fudging the subject, which he immediately says, you're embarrassed of things. But these are all very pure, natural forces that God gave us. Uh, and God's giving me a vision that you should be married. So I'm married at 19. Because of Frank's... Uh, what could go I mean, wrong? Wow. <laughs> Frank's, Frank's telling me that I should marry this girl. She's a couple of years older than me. How long had you been together for? Well, oh couple of years I'd sort of known okay. her at high school she was an old, a friend's okay. older sister and how did you um, feel about that I mean, oh, we... well this is God's look pastor Frank's told me that <laughs> and now I'd say I could have sex yeah <laughs> and it's it's okay but Legit, what's more yeah. I can be holy and pastor Frank's had a vision that God's going to make this into something amazing and I'm going to do great things for God and I'll be successful and I see many, many people coming to Jesus through this marriage. And That's, that's well, so much power to hold over someone's life. That's just incredible. Oh, uh, no, with no, no pastoral marriage guidance. No. Oh, yeah. Of, no, this was the vision. And, and, of course, that way, the sinful fumbling and crazy things, he was always wanting to, on three occasions, He'd ask me about masturbation. Did I have a problem with masturbation? And that, uh, and I was actually encouraged at one point, a little bit later, because it would have been four or five months into my marriage 
depression first started rearing its head in my life and I first started feeling this is things are out of control. Of course, what do I do? I call up Frank because I'm inner enough to be able to get an appointment with Frank and see him. And and all Frank wanted to ask about was masturbation. And if I was feeling that I was going to masturbate, I should give him an give him a call. I could call him any time and we can pray this and defeat it. That's yeah. And I, I feel uh, I feel very sorry for my ex-wife in that too. I would And that's when I spilt my glass of water all over the laptop. So that'll be the end for today. That's part one of David's story. I'll post the dates for part two over the next couple of days. Thank you so much for listening to Stories of Leaving Hillsong. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.